Welcome to our Daily Inspiration Podcast. As Inspire Church is walking through a 30-day rule of life, whether you are participating fully or just listening, we hope you are blessed. Thanks again for having me back on the podcast. This is uh, Joel Eklund. I'm the Generations Pastor at House of the Lord Church up in Old Town, Idaho. And um, last week, uh, I kind of abruptly ended. Uh, I was trying to trying to keep my uh, my, my podcast split into two, uh, but I ended uh, talking about um, uh, talking about uh, the Book of Isaiah and ended out um, actually technically off of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where I was talking about fulfilled prophecy. Um, so as we jump back into it. Um, I just wanted to remind uh, remind you guys that the Bible means something, right? Like the Bible doesn't necessarily mean what we want it to mean. It means what it actually means. And so as we jump back into this, just uh, maybe even listen to the previous, the end of the previous episode, just to grab a little bit of context as we get back into the content today. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just really excited to to be with you, and uh, and thanks again for having me on the podcast. Uh, here we go. Um, but here in Isaiah 8, 19 and 20, it says, And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and the testimony, if they will not speak according to his word, it's because they have no dawn. Like they have no future is what that means. I love actually how the King James puts this. It says, to the law and to the testimony. It's like basically he's saying, listen, you want to hear from God. Like go to the scripture. Go to what you know God has done, right? It's crazy. I want to read the rest of this uh, this passage in context because like it hit me so hard today that uh, <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, man. Like it says this, uh, and starting in 21 now, it says they will wander through the land dejected and hungry. When they are famished, they'll become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, and the gloom of affliction, and they will be driven into thick darkness. Okay, like, again, I know this is a fulfilled prophetic word, but there feels like there is an inordinate amount of Christians right now that sound more like biblical necromancers than biblical prophets. Like that we're going around just seeing all the darkness and all the, the, the gloom and all the evil. And we're, we're thinking to ourselves, oh my gosh, it's never going to get better. Uh, friend, I got to tell you that the whole point of what Isaiah is saying here is he's saying, look, if you would just get your eyes off of what's down here and realize that God is in control, that his kingdom is advancing, you're, you're going to have a lot easier time living in joy in a time where people are having a really hard time doing it, right? It's one of the reasons why this year, you know, as a you know as a as a leader in our church, I'm really focusing on getting people to understand the Bible in context instead of just reading it however you want to read it, you know, and and, and applying it to your life however you want to apply it. Like I, I want people to actually understand Scripture, not just be able to regurgitate Scripture. So just a couple of questions that 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 I want I want my people, and I hope that you, that you'll you'll join us in this too, to really be asking as you are. As you're reading your Bible, number one, who was it written to? Like, I, I know that, you know, you guys probably know this, but the Bible, again, was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Which means that when I approach Scripture, I can't automatically apply it to my cultural understanding. I, I have to know who it was written to. I have to know... Uh, I have to know the people of the day. I have to. I have to at least get some basic historical understanding 
of what was happening here. So number one, who was it written to? Number two, when was it written? Right. What, what I mean by that is obviously we like all of the, the, the passages of scripture biblically were written between like, you know, the mid 50s. And, you know, late, or I should say probably somewhere between 90 and 100 AD. I mean, ultimately, we're all talking about a 50-year span, right? About a single generation. But what, what we, have to, we have to look at is what was happening in the culture at the time. Like, not just the, not just the when was it written, but when we're looking for the when, we're also looking for the why. Like, what's, what's happening in Laodicea? You know, that when, you know, when John gives this, you know, this prophetic word to them about being either hot nor cold, like, what is he talking about? Because what, you know, honestly, like in, in some circles that I've been in, I was told that what that meant was that if you weren't white, hot, passionate for Jesus, whatever that means, like, it would be better for you to be unsaved than to be what we used to call a quote unquote lukewarm Christian. Like, it'd be better for you. You better be either really passionate or not a Christian at all. Or else God's, you know, God wants to spew you out of his mouth. Like, first of all, friend, that's not true. That's not actually what that means. Um, I probably don't, I don't know if, I don't think I have enough time to get into that, but maybe a different podcast episode. That's not what that means, by the way. Um, but the point is, is that in the absence of understanding the cities or the places or the churches that these, 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 you know, these letters are being written to, we're actually missing a huge amount of context. Like in the same way that like, if I wrote a message to my wife, and I put it into a time capsule. And in this message, in this letter, you know, there's all sorts of references to like Justin Bieber and, you know, like, you know, Chick-fil-A and like all this, you know, the stuff that we understand in our culture right now, that if somebody dug that up 2000 years later and, and just tried to like read it without understanding the culture that it was written in, you're going to miss a lot of stuff because you don't realize that's not just a, you know, that's not just a, you know, a word that I wrote. That's a, you know, that's a part of a song or that's, you see where I'm going with this? Like we have to know when it was written and who was it, uh, what was happening in the culture at the time. Number three, why was it written? Listen, like almost every single, uh, at most every single book of the Bible, or I should at least say in the New Testament, they were written not just like randomly, they were written in response. And many times they were written in response to heresy. They were written in response to people going around in churches and just saying whatever they wanted to say because they could just make, they could just make it up, right? Like, oh, just make it up, no big deal. Well, if we don't understand why it was written, then we're gonna miss out on, on, some, of the, on some of the fervency, right? Like, why did Paul in the book of Galatians say, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you, right? Like that seems, I mean, it kind of seems harsh unless you understand that Paul viewed his life's work as getting people to understand the gospel of grace. And, and this Galatian church that had started so well was actually falling into a form of apostasy because it was easier for them to listen to the Jews who'd been quote unquote doing this a lot longer than they had than to listen to Paul. I mean, to be quite honest, like it would be, I mean, come on friend, like how much easier do you feel like your faith would be if like there was an actual, like just a huge written set of rules, right? That like if you did A, B, C, D, and you know, and, like that it will produce this right here. But the reality is, is that that's not how the law of the spirit works. The law of the spirit is personal conviction right? Like there are some things that are absolutely universal, right? But then there are some things that there's a lot of gray areas and the gray is where the spirit is. 
The gray is where self-control is, right? And so Paul is, Paul is trying to reel back in the church of Galatia into the gospel of grace because of, they have fallen from it, right? And once we figured all of those things out, number four is how can I apply this principle, whatever it is that you're gleaning here, to my life, right? Let me, let me just give you a, a you know what, I am going to, I am going to do it. So in, uh, in, in the book of Revelation, when, when, when John is writing to the church of Laodicea and he says to them, you're, you know, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So if you understand the context, this makes a lot more sense. He's basically saying, so in, in Laodicea, this is an incredibly wealthy city. They were, they were on a plateau in the middle of a, basically in the middle, uh, middle of a huge just plain. They got their water via aqueduct from two different sources primarily. One of them was a hot spring that was located like seven or eight miles away, and another one was a cold mountain spring, which was also located a number of miles away. These guys were so rich. I mean, effectively, Laodicea was, was, a, was an ancient America in the sense that they were insanely rich, like their houses were huge, like they had indoor plumbing at a time when that was, you know, very, very uncommon. And their, basically their main complaint about life was that they, when, they, when their water came to the city, by the time that it came from the hot springs seven miles away, or by the time it came from the cold springs seven miles away, by the time that it got to the city, it wasn't, you had to either, <clears throat> excuse me, you had to either heat it up for a bath or you had to cool it down to drink. And so they would continuously grumble about the fact that their water was lukewarm. In addition to that, the hot water from the mountain, uh, or excuse me, from the, uh, from, the, from the hot springs actually had healing properties because of the minerals that were in it. But the problem was is that by the time they got to the city, those minerals weren't activated for whatever reason. And so even though there was healing properties in the hot spring and there was cooling properties in the cold spring, neither of those things actually helped people by the time they got to the city. In essence, they viewed their water as good for nothing. See, Jesus isn't saying, like, you better be super passionate or don't be a Christian. He's saying, listen, be good for healing or be good for refreshment, but you got to be good for something. Your faith should look like something. Like, it should produce something. If it's not producing anything, it's worthless. And so anyway, like, that's just a basic understanding of biblical context through historical lenses. Listen, my encouragement to you is to not just read the Bible to read it this year. I encourage you to meditate or what we call chewing on the scripture. Go after understanding, not just memorization. What I mean by chewing is like, okay, here's something that's kind of interesting. Like a lot of people, especially Americans, tend to, um, we tend to eat very, very fast. And part of the reason is, is that there's a sort of like, you know, there's this innate thing in, in American culture that says, I gotta, you know, I gotta get, get done with this really, really quickly so that I can move on to something more important. But actually, if I were to tell you like how much you should be chewing in order for you to receive the maximum amount of nutrients, what I'd say is that, like, for example, if you're chewing a steak, uh, you should be chewing like every single bite at least 25 times. If you're chewing salad, like, I mean, if you're literally, if you're chewing like vegetables, you should at least be chewing like 15 times. 
because the idea is to get the maximum amount of nutrition for your body out of every single food that you're getting. But most people on average are chewing like three to four times like per bite, which means that we're getting about a quarter of the nutrients that we're actually imbibing. In the same way, without scriptural meditation, we are actually not getting the fullness of what scripture has for us. We're only getting a certain portion of it because we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, oh man, I got to read the Bible in a year or man, I got to, you know, I got to get through this, you know, this thing today because I got to get to work. And it's like, it's like, dude, I get it. Like we're busy people, right? But at the same time, I have what I, what I view as important is, is what's going to set the agenda for my day. So if I don't view the Bible and reading it as very important, then I'm going to read it for 20 minutes in the morning or five minutes in the morning or whatever it is. And however long it takes you to get through whatever amount of scripture you're going through. And then I'm going to go off and work for eight or 10 hours. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make dinner and I'm going to watch Netflix for the next five. Like, do, do you see the disparity here? Like the disparity is, is that we're quickly chewing through the most important thing of our day so that we can get to some of the things that are the most toxic. You see, just like our taste, our, di our discernment is determined by our consumption. If you eat nothing but chicken nuggies, you may not enjoy the taste of adobo, but I can tell you that one of them is actually the better food and it isn't the one that comes from McDonald's. If we're only consuming the things of God for a couple hours a week, but we're consuming the things of CNN or Fox News or Netflix or whatever it is that your poison is, we cannot be sure that our discernment is of God. Like, we can't be, if, if, if I'm just consuming so much of the world and so much of the world and so much of the world and only a little bit of the good stuff, I cannot be sure that the discernment that I have the discernment that I have developed is actually a godly, biblical discernment. Let me put it to you this way. You are being discipled by who or what you spend the most time with. You are being discipled by who or what you spend the most time with. For some of us, that means we're being discipled by Netflix. For some of us, it means we're being discipled by our news outlet. And then hopefully for most of us, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say this in a, in a hopeful fashion, hopefully most of us are being discipled by scripture and by the church. Because ultimately the goal of discernment is to have a biblical one. Because everybody, listen, just like grace, like there is a general grace, right? Like Jesus said this way, he said, he said the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. That was not a judgmental statement. Like in Israel at the time, I mean, you're talking about the desert. Like rain is a good thing. Like sometimes we think of rain and we're like, oh no, the rain, the storm. No, like anytime there was rain in Israel, this is this is good, right? Like we, we want more rain. What Jesus was talking about is he was talking about a general blessing that God has poured out on everybody, right? There's a general grace and there's a general discernment. But like I said, there are people out there that their discernment is based upon their McDonald's theology. Like their discernment is based on, you know, is based on their fast food mentality of the, about the Bible and about uh, and about seeking God. And ultimately, their discernment really is uh, is more determined by the culture they grew up in than the kingdom and the family they've been adopted into. And so, again, this is my encouragement to you. My encouragement to you this year, chew on the word, meditate on scripture, go after God. 
get understanding, get knowledge. You know, like I think it was, it's the book of Proverbs where, uh, where, where he says, if you want wisdom, you got to get knowledge, get understanding, go after it. It's, it's more important than silver. It's more important than gold. Like understanding the Bible for what it actually means is one of the most important and primary disciplines of every believer and disciple of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you one more time. Chew on scripture. Make it important. Make it a priority. And I promise you, your discernment is going to grow this year. Again, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, letting me come on the podcast. And uh, thanks again to Pastor Phil and, uh, and the leadership at Inspire Churches. I love you guys. God bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance toward you and give you peace. It's in Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you are inspired as we journey together to reorient our lives in life-giving practices as demonstrated in God's Word. 